0: welcome to the digital investors podcast with matt and liz rad where we explore how you can invest in the new digital economy with expert interviews proven strategies and stories of success get inspired to grow your portfolio for the future G'day, everyone, and welcome to the Digital Investor Show. I'm your host, Matt Raad, and today we've got a really special guest all the way from New York, John Chen. Now, why why this is going to be such a fascinating interview is, John... Like most of our community, started out quite small on Flipper, buying small niche websites under $10,000, but he's been able to scale that up into a multi million dollar business. And what we are going to do today is have a look at some of his strategies because John was also able to do that very, very quickly. And John has an awesome system that he applies to these sorts of sites. And so, what we're going to do today, we're going to ask John what sort of sites you're looking at buying. What are some of the, the specific things that have allowed him to scale very quickly from small niche sites into multi-million dollar websites? So, John, thank you so much for coming along today.
1: Hey, Matt. I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah, can't wait to um get into it and find out <laughs> what what are some of your secrets or well, some of the strategies. So so John, for you, like you're actually like a lot of our, our clients. You're you're ex-corporate. Um, obviously, I'm guessing you're you know you want to get out of your job. what what do you want to share with everyone? What were you doing when you first started doing this?
1: Yeah, so I was working at a hedge fund in New York, uh, working for a fund called Kinderhook Partners. It was a small fund, just two super, Uh, smart, well-respected people in the industry. And we had invested in these small publicly traded companies and also invested in some private businesses. And uh, that's where I really learned to kind of analyze what was a good business or what was a bad, you know, what wasn't a great business. And it was just my job to look at businesses all day long and, and all of that. And We invested in this one vehicle called a search fund, which is where you back an MBA student to go buy a small business Mm -hmm. and, uh, Mm -hmm. they run it for a few years, uh, sell it and eventually, you know, do it for the benefit of investors. So we did this, we, we funded some MBA students. We bought dental practices. We bought a varicose vein center, bought some, you know, (laughs) uh, small software companies and, um, the, the biggest thing that jumped out at me is when I was looking at the publicly traded companies like Wayfair or, um, Temple and Webster actually was one of the companies that we had invested in. And, um, you know, they were just trading at way higher multiples of EBITDA or sales or something. And, um, we funded a a dental practice and the, uh, you know, I didn't really look much at everything else, but I saw, we're buying this for three times EBITDA or like three times profit. And, um, I went to my boss and I was like, like, is this real? Like, how are we doing this? And then they're like, yeah, it's just like a smaller business. And I was like, well, I I had something clicked and I was like, I want to be in this industry because when you invest in kind of big publicly traded companies, you're basically like trying to predict the future, right? Like you're, you're saying like the world later, like, you know, Tesla cars are going to be in this many countries and this is how many, you know, they're going to sell. And there's some built-in expectation. But with, when you buy something at three times profit, it's like, if it stays at its level of profit for three years, it's pretty good, you know? So Mm -hmm. that's assuming you don't even grow it or anything. So um, I just thought I want to, I want to be in this kind of field, but I didn't have any money or um, investors or, you know, a track record or anything like that. So I went on Flippa and and bought this small jewelry business for seven and a half thousand dollars. And I treated it as like a real life MBA. And I thought I was gonna lose the whole 8,000. I'm, I was like, okay with losing it, you know, but I tried it and, and here I am. Yeah, so, and here you are, sound very humble.
0: How much did you sell that website for? Cause it's a fantastic result.
1: Yeah. So when I bought the business, it was doing $1,000 a month in revenue, just kind of husband and wife couple selling to their friends. When I bought it, half the revenue went away. So $500 a month (laughs) in revenue. And over the course of two years, scaled that business to $120,000 a month in revenue and uh, sold it two years later for a little over half a million dollars. All right. That, that, That
0: is seriously impressive result. I mean, That must have gotten your attention. So at that point, so over that two years, so you bought a small site, seven and a half thousand. You sell it two years later for five hundred and fifty thousand. Were you still working during that point, or had you like at what point did you transition out of your full time day job?
1: Yeah, I I left and um, I left when I bought the business. You know, I kind of like burned the bridges. Yeah, burned the boats or whatever. And, um, I would not recommend that for people listening. (laughs) Um, you know, I was like, you know, as every entrepreneur probably knows, they, they try everything. Like I was ready to get on the subway and sell, you know, rings on the subway or necklaces on the subway. Like I, I had that mentality of like, I don't care what it takes. I'm going to like make it work. Um, you know, I applied for food stamps. I like didn't get food stamps because I made too much money on the unemployment. It was like, you know, yeah. I was, I had no shame. I was willing to do whatever it took.
0: Awesome. So you, yeah. So you, you just went quit your job and you just went, you know, <laughs> yeah, burnt your bridges. I'm going to give this a big crack and go for it. Because really, I guess at that age too, like at that stage in your life, you've got nothing to lose from doing this. Um, but still that's an awesome, you know, awesome result. So it would have been... I'm guessing it would have been pretty scary in those first couple of months.
1: Yeah. I mean, I actually lost mon- lost money for six months just yeah. trying to figure out the business and, you know, how expenses rack up and, you know, a $1,000 a month in revenue, $500 a month in revenue is really not enough to cover anything. So, you know, yeah. you're just... In that first kind of phase of the business you're basically buying lottery tickets you know you're you're trying this channel you're trying this thing most of it's not going to work and you you just have to be crazy enough to believe the next thing is just going to work so i was crazy enough to believe and uh, eventually found product market fit and everything but we can talk about that in a in a little bit
0: yeah because so out of out of interest did you find Going online, so you, you're a business analyst, right? In, in yeah. say, your, your chosen original career. Did you find those skills helpful for you? Because going online is quite a different business to, you know, if the standard sort of businesses you would have been looking at. But were there certain principles that worked for you?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I think my background as a hedge fund analyst helped in that I was – Uh, I kind of subconsciously knew what a good business was going to be. Um, You know, I remember I had this one conversation with my boss at the hedge fund one time, and I was like, is higher gross margin always better? Is there sometimes like you want lower margin? And they're like, no, higher margin is always better. So, uh, you know, I I subconsciously knew, I guess, when I was looking at the jewelry company, all I knew was jewelry is pretty high margin. Uh, It's pretty light to ship. And that's yep. all I knew. And and I was like, I, I'll figure out the rest. And I jumped sure. in and I think buying a business that small really gives you, doesn't give you much, but it does give you kind of focus in saying like, I'm doing jewelry, you know? Because yep. if there wasn't any revenue, I think a lot of times entrepreneurs get really discouraged very quickly. So they always want to move on to a different thing. They have tons of different ideas. And then they're like, they jump on and they're like, oh, I want to do this. And they do it and and you know, three months goes by and there's no revenue. And then you're like, ah, do I really want to do this? So yeah. I think buying a business really h- helps solve that because you have a little bit of something. Now you're just like, Okay, how do I build it? Yeah. And
0: and it's really interesting. I mean, seriously, well done. Because even though you say you, you had some skills. Really, the actual day-to-day practical skills of what you bought, you had no training in whatsoever. You're a total beginner. So you've had yeah. to learn the running of this site on the go. And we should mention here, John, the style of site because you, you bought an interesting site. that You're saying jewelry and everything. This is an e-commerce site, isn't it? But let's clarify what it is and what it isn't because most of our audience, as you as you would know, would – understand you know e-commerce or think of amazon what sort of site was this this site so this is your first site never been online before brand new yeah what did you buy
1: yeah so i bought a shopify site it was a direct-to-consumer site uh they didn't sell on amazon uh -hmm. i don't really you know i know amazon is the biggest channel and people have built businesses and brands off the back of Amazon. Um, but I haven't had that much success with it. and I mm. specifically wanted to be in a category that was not on Amazon. And the reason I didn't want to be on Amazon oh, was because, um you know, I think there's like a few theories I had, you know, higher margins always better, light and easy to ship. But then I thought,, um, you know, I want to be in certain categories that were more, kind of emotional or, or because if you think about the way people purchase, especially here in America, um, they, if you're, if it's anything that you search for, you know, like a stapler is the example I always use or uh, you know, anything that's like utilitarian, a lot of furniture, clothing rack, whatever it is, chair, you just go on Amazon and you search stapler, purple stapler, yep. two pack purple stapler. So, and then you just look on the first page and whatever has a, best mix of reviews and kind of lower price. You make that price to value judgment, and then you're just probably gonna buy it from Amazon cause you're gonna get it in a couple of days. So I didn't want to make like, you know, I didn't want to be in a business that sold these, you know kind of demand capture type products. I wanted to be in an industry that was more emotional. So I first did jewelry. Uh, now a couple of the brands we own do apparel and it's those are things that you know amazon hasn't really figured out yet so uh and i and i think the because the way people shop for apparel is they don't say like oh i need a dress you know they they kind of see this dress on social media or um on an influencer or on their friend and they're like oh that's a really cool dress where'd you get that from oh i've never heard of this brand oh let me look them up kind of oh maybe i'll bookmark it for later type of thing whereas amazon is just you know, if you can search it, you're probably going to buy it on Amazon. It's commodity.
0: That, that is super smart. So any of you listening, listen very carefully to what John has. One of his big key strategies here is buying products that are differenti- differentiated, but based on emotion. Now, because you're buying, that, that is super smart. And you still do that now too, don't you? That That is kind of, that's one of your big winning strategies, but it brings up another couple of fascinating questions you don't look like you've you know formally trained in fashion or 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 creative you know you're a business analyst kind of the opposite of what you've ended up making millions out of so what what uh how the hell have you been able to do that or was it easier than you found when you went online like did you find you needed to have fashion background
1: or creative background i actually um you know i think that's actually one of the a strength is that, you know, I'm not my target audience. And that way, you know, you really listen to your customer more. Uh, and the way I think about the businesses is um, with every business, there's a customer, basically. There's, there's mm-hmm. one sort of customer avatar and they're trying to do a certain job, right? They're using this business, they're buying your product to do a certain job. And I can tell you very clearly that, you know, I knew for all of my businesses, I know exactly what customer we're serving and what kind of job they want done with the product that they're buying, you know? So it's because I listen to them. We try to figure it out. We test different products and, you know, certain products don't work. And if you go at it with that framework, uh, I think it's super helpful. And it was really helpful for me, especially in e-commerce and physical products to use that framework to, you know, have a super honed in, vision of who the customer is, because like I said, like the customer on Amazon is basically all things to everybody, right? Like, and what do, what does everybody like? They like fast shipping, they like low prices and, you know, that's it. That's basically it. That's like Amazon's value prop, fast shipping, pretty low prices, okay value. And that's it. But, you know, other brands, um, succeed because they don't necessarily have that, but they have, you know, this, hyper specific customer that is trying to do a very specific job that Amazon just have is not that great at, you know, providing. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of like how I look at it
0: and that, and I want, and John, something you said to me the other day, when we were chatting, you, you, you said, that's what you found. And I do want to point this out to listeners rather than going on the Amazon, let's add that on. You found that Shopify allows you to go super niche like a very you could target a specific niche based on this idea um you know you want to be promoting emotional products and it the Shopify platform allowed you to do that.
1: Yeah yeah I think um if you just look at like the, the brands that have success on Amazon it's kind of the lower price products anywhere between twenty to forty dollars and mm-hmm. that have pretty mass appeal and yep. the problem a lot of times when Amazon brands try to take go off Amazon is they, they're like, okay, we're ready to, we have all the success on Amazon. We want to get, we want to start our own brand. And the problem is they don't really know who exactly who their customer is, you know, like they don't know how old they are. They don't know what the job to be done is. And I think that's the key differentiator from yeah. the brands that do succeed off Amazon is um, you have, you know, who your specific, you know, audience is and what the job that they're trying to do, you know, are. And I think that that's what you do
0: so well. You you, you here at eBusiness Institute we call it um, customer avatar. Who's your so even when we're doing content websites, it's exactly the same thing because we teach this idea of buying you know niche websites exactly what you're doing with physical product, but we do it with content sites. We're always mm-hmm. constantly saying to our students, think who's the customer avatar coming here and what do they want. So with your first site, you you bought by this Shopify site, it's in jewelry brand new to this game never done it before what were some of the key things that you did say so, so what did you do in say the four first let's say four weeks you know you you let the site settle in what what were some of the, the quick things that you did to fix up that site to eventually get it you know to turn yeah. over millions of dollars
1: yeah so I, the way i'd like to think about it is actually there were kind of like two phases of the business and okay. the first phase was the hardest part i basically started a brand new business but i just had the guise of this, I didn't have to make the logo. Basically, like I had, <laughs> I had the brand, but I found product market fit uh, within the brand. So, like the the jewelry, other style of jewelry that the the original owners were selling, didn't really uh, work that well with paid advertising, or it didn't really have big product market fit, right? Mm-hmm. So, I basically tested a bunch of different styles of jewelry. And the first phase I called, you know, trying to find product market fit and trying to find this job to be done. And I didn't do it well. I basically brute force my way into it by testing lots of different products, you know? So at at one point I was testing cat jewelry and dog jewelry at the same time. Okay. I was like, well, cat, dog, cat owners, dog owners, whatever. What, what, what do you want? Do you want this? Or you, you want a cat ring or like a dog ring? Like which one do you want? Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I was just trying all types of different things like gemstones, this silver, you know, really expensive stuff, really cheap stuff. And, um, and eventually the one kind of, um, Phenomenon we stumbled upon was this was in 2017, 2018, which um, now there's tons of these type of jewelry companies. But back then there were a couple and we came upon this phenomenon of, you know, dainty, delicate, everyday fine jewelry where, you know, jewelry around that time had been either super expensive or super cheap, you know, costume type stuff. And there wasn't this kind of mid-range market for For jewelry that looked expensive, but you know, wasn't costume, right? So it was kind of that mid range. So, um, I tested this one style and it did really, really well. And basically, overnight, we went from that thousand dollars a month in revenue to forty to fifty thousand dollars a month in revenue once we found that product market fit. Yeah.
0: And were you growing this with? SEO and paid traffic how does it work with Shopify or on that particular one
1: Yeah so for that specific one it was it was mostly paid ads so we were yep. test lots of different styles uh different creative different landing pages like all types of different things different products the product has the most i guess uh would affect your performance the most so yep. we would test tons of different products and one day we just Got lucky and found this one style of jewelry that did really well, or or really hit this kind of nerve in the market. And basically, yeah, I mean, it was mostly paid advertising, but it was testing it across lots of different, you know, channels. Lots
0: of, yeah, so lots of testing until you found that product to market fit with the custom and that you know that ties in with the custom avatar and so is that still with with your other sites so you then went on so you sold that one for 550,000 so I'm presuming that gave you a bit of a bank to to do it again rinse and repeat is that still the same strategy now so your next site was that the wedding um was that the wedding what was your next site that you got success with
1: yeah so it was a, a plus size women's apparel one
0: that's right yeah and
1: yeah. That... So no, go ahead. Sorry.
0: So is that, are you happy to share how much you spent on that and like, do you... yeah.
1: Yeah. So that business we bought, I bought for 60,000. It came with 30,000 of inventory. Um, it was doing around 10,000 a month in revenue. And last year we did 1.8 million in revenue. <laughs> oh, well done. That is, uh, how long did it take you to get it to 1.8 mil? Uh, Probably a year and a half.
0: Wow. Okay. That's impressive. So it was first doing what a year in revenues?
1: It was probably doing like one, I would say anywhere between 120, probably like a 120 to 150 a year in in revenue. And yeah. You have more than 10
0: X. Yeah. By applying this and was it the same process, would you say? So you identified plus size market what some of the success or what were the things that you noticed there and was it the same process I guess I'm asking you you just test and measured and really dialed in on the customer
1: it was it was actually easier because when when I bought the jewelry business I had to find product market fit in that I had to find the a different customer basically and the job to be done was the job to be done was uh I want jewelry specifically rings that look expensive that look like they're made out of solid gold but they're not and they're more affordable right so uh we our average order value is around a hundred dollars that's for for a couple of rings that that's not you know cheap but it's not super expensive either uh with the plus size business it was more established in that it had a customer who had Mm -hmm. a job that wanted to be done so it was a plus size a woman who basically only bought the outfits for events, to dress up for parties, for going out. So it wasn't any type of plus size wear. It wasn't, you know, just, you know, basics or jeans or anything like that. It's, I specifically want to make a show i want to be a showstopper i want to get lots of compliments i want to kind of be more out there you know and we have a lot of sequins a lot of two-tone a lot of kind of color block outfits and um it was that through that process of identifying what what kind of like outfits do the does the customer really want that way you know when we're going through the merchandising process of oh what kind of new style should we introduce to this same customer it was a lot easier to scale that and to grow and even the paid advertising and the UGC, all of that.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So again, so this one, you said you found it even more niche because you could go plus sizes for parties and that's, and you've, and that's allowed you to scale that very quickly. And like, how, what would be your process say in the first four weeks or so that you take that you took that one over. Same thing. Just identifying the the best selling products. Is that what you zero in on?
1: Yeah, I would say if if I were to do it again, uh, first four weeks, I take it over, take a look at the twenty percent of styles or SKUs that do eighty percent of sales, mm-hmm. and and come up with you know who is specifically the customer that's buying it and what's the job that they're doing for it, right? Or what's yeah. the job that they're trying to do when they buy this outfit or ring or whatever it is. And really hone in on that and um introduce paid advertising, do email marketing and SMS. And that'll I think that is enough for the first four weeks. That's a lot Beautiful. to to take on. Yep. So this and so this
0: is for yeah, a shopper sized site. So it's selling physical products. So John, when you've got this process in place for renovating websites or or you know, growth strategy for for these websites. Let's go back to the, the buying side of websites. are you you're still actively out there you know buying websites. you're a serial entrepreneur now you do this full time, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. How many and even let's go back even to your first one. how many deals would you look at on Flipper?
1: Yeah, uh, I would say I looked at maybe 50 to 100 and I very quickly knew if something was like not for me. And then um and then decided on the jewelry business
0: so so basically I I'm, I'm just envisioning you you know you're searching through your you're on flipper and you're looking for something that has a very defined niche like a, a would that be accurate you're not looking for broad general type sites you want some defined niche that you know you can work with
1: yeah exactly I I want someone who basically either is someone in the customer base or basically has defined who this customer is and what kind of job that they're trying to do with this product i know it's like kind of like a roundabout way of saying it but it's like you know i see a ton of sites where it's run by an affiliate marketer or someone who's really good at marketing or a drop shipper or something and you know it was like a hot product and it does really well and it comes down and it's like who is really buying this product you know i guess did it have its time or that's why i I tend to stay away from amazon businesses as well because a lot of times the reason why something sells on amazon is because it's cheap or because it's yeah yeah yeah.
0: it's just too broad and and in terms of the sites that you're buying now is there a sweet spot for you? Obviously, you've got a much bigger budget now. You're not you're not restrained. You're not a beginner anymore. You know, you not you don't have to buy websites under ten thousand dollars. But what's your sweet spot? Where do you find yourself still looking for deals?
1: Yeah, so we actually recently did a deal that around the sixty thousand dollars range. So okay. I probably tend to look for businesses in the fifty to two hundred thousand dollars range, and yep. then knowing that that has a well more chance of a more defined product market fit. And then, you know, hopefully can grow that and scale that up as well.
0: Yeah. So you've got a, a big, a big, yeah, upside there. So relatively compared to bricks and mortar businesses, you know, these this are still very low investments to get into, you know, 50,000 to you know, up to 200,000. And with your skills now, able to scale it so high. And so with your skills, John, because they are obviously so impressive. And, you know, you've got this Dialed in. What else are you doing now? Because this is this is super cool. I wanted to share this with with the guys. What's the next step for you?
1: Yeah. The, so you I'm d- yeah. So I I get a ton of requests on you know LinkedIn or Flippa or just getting messages. And um, if anybody wants to learn about you know my process of how I do it, you, they can go to AmplifyCapital.us. And mm-hmm. uh, I ha- I do a weekly newsletter where I share kind of the stories and tactics and all of that. Uh, that's totally free. And I'm also starting a fund on Flippa, uh,
0: cool. Flippa
1: Invest, where um, we're raising a million dollars to buy maybe three to five of these smaller e commerce businesses, grow them, and then scale them, and then um, hopefully exit them for the benefit of investors. So uh, I think that's only for accredited investors. So if anyone's interested, they can go to amplifycapital.us or Flippa Invest and they should have all the info in there,
0: mate. Well done. Here you are, young guy. You know, quit your job, like burn all your bridges. What was it back in two thousand and seventeen, and what? Only five years later, you are starting your own investment fund, buying and selling web or buying up websites. That's seriously impressive. Do you ever? Do you ever pinch yourself?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, That's- I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy how fast time or how fast things have happened and how fast I was able to grow the business. Like, I think if you were to tell me, you know, five years ago that, uh, you know, I'd be in this position, I, I don't think I'd believe you, but I think when you kind of take the leap of faith and kind of put all your efforts and, and and into something, I think, you know, a lot of things can happen, especially after the first couple of years when you start to kind of figure it out.
0: Yeah, that, that like it, it's seriously an impressive result to go from absolute beginner Buying websites through to running an investment firm where you're raising a million dollars to buy websites and to scale them up. And I'm sure you're going to be doing a lot bigger things. But uh, you know, I, I often at this point, it gets me wondering like, what's your your background, like your family background? Do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Where do you think you get this full-on entrepreneurial bend? What do, what did you what did your dad do? What did your mom used to do?
1: Yeah, no, no. I don't my parents are not entrepreneurs at all. Um <laughs> I think when I told my parents I wanted to do, like, not work for another job, I think my parents were still sending me LinkedIn job posts for months, (laughs) like, for (laughs) almost up to, like, a year. Like, I think it wasn't until, like, I sold the first business, they're like, okay, all right, you you don't have to get a job, I guess. But I think, um, so I was actually born in China. I moved to the U.S. I moved around a ton. Uh, My dad was doing his Ph.D., and he worked as a chemist for a, this large pharmaceutical company in the U.S. called Roche. Um, yeah. They're like Swiss-based, I think. But um, yeah, I, I remember distinctly coming home as a kid, and my dad got this patent for um, for like Rough. this cancer yeah for for this cancer inhibitor type thing. And um, I was just a kid, so I was like. Oh my God! Like my dad cured cancer, and my (laughs) and my first thought, my first thought was not like, oh, how much good are we doing for the world and disease is gone. I was like, Dad, are we rich? And and my dad's like, no, we're not rich. Um, This is just part of the gig. They pay for my salary, so anything I discover, I have to sell to the company for a dollar. And I think my dad at the time was making like seventy or eighty thousand dollars a year, and I was like. I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to dedicate my entire life to make 70 or $80,000 a year. And if I discover the cure for cancer, like I deserve some, like I deserve to be rich or wealthy. So I think I always thought of it when I was taking the plunge, because that's like the scariest part is like, you know, okay, you know, what do I do? Like, what if I don't have enough money? And it's really easy to get yourself Mm. in a scarce mindset. And I, the way I, I kind of like thought about it was, I can always go back to making 70 or $80,000 a year. Like I have those skills. I can always default to that. I can try this for a few years. I don't have kids or a wife or a mortgage or anything like that. Like, let me just try to do this. And, um, it didn't make things like easier, but it, it made the mindset of like, it's okay to take this risk or it's, it's right to like jump and do this. So, um, yeah, yeah that's how kind of how I thought about it, yeah. That's super cool. I think that's really good
0: advice, John. Thanks thanks for sharing that that personal side, that mindset side there because I think that's the case for a lot of our our listeners, they're like you. They're, they're from corporate backgrounds and they're weighing up, you know, do we quit our job? And I know we've got a lot of younger people as well listening now too who are probably in your age group and you know, they're going to hear that and go, "Yeah, you know what? they let there's nothing to lose by taking a year out and having a crack at this. Cause I'm I'm presuming you've got no regrets about it.
1: Oh, I think it was the best decision of my life. I think, um, you know, like you're hearing about all of your, I have a lot of friends who work in these like tech companies and, you know, all these layoffs and stuff like that. And, you know, it's, it's cushy until it's not. And, you know, I think in the next five to 10 years, you'll see a lot more entrepreneurs kind of popping up just cause they, they're realizing like, hey, these cushy jobs at Facebook aren't, you know, going to last. So it's not, you know, they have great food and all of that, but yeah. it's not really well, worth it, yeah.
0: And for you, too, as a young guy, when you think about think of the assets that you've built for yourself now. You've got multiple websites worth potentially millions of dollars versus swapping time for money. You know, okay, it was a pretty cool job and everything, but, you know, swapping time for money. And like, like you found with your dad, potentially – later on, not getting any asset out of it, just earning a a yearly wage. Whereas now you're not only earning good money out of these, but you've got these assets that you can sell and and flip and basically just keep building up that asset base. So it's like owning, you know, it's like owning your own real estate really that that you're in control of and that you get to fix up and make even more money out of. What do you enjoy most about what you do now when you look like you know here we are talking about say your dad or looking back at what you did where you're swapping time for money in a pretty stressful corporate role what do you like most about what you do
1: today it's got to be like the freedom you know and i think yeah it's like unparalleled like i can leave for a week or two weeks or just if i decide that monday i want to go to the grocery store or You know, stay at home or do whatever, like I can do that. And I actually joke because sometimes, you know, I'm so focused in the business, I want to go in and grind and do all this. And a lot of times when I'm on vacation are the days that we do the most amount of sales. And I'm like, well, this is (laughs) kind of, you know, that's, that's pretty
0: cool, isn't it? Well, John, I do want to say a big, big thank you for sharing so much today with our community. And we'll put the links to um, Amplify in the show notes below. So if you're interested in reaching out to John or if you're a sophisticated investor and you want to check out what John's up to and maybe reach out to him. And um, big thank you, John, for coming along. And if you're a total beginner and you haven't yet done our masterclass, if you want to learn how to buy and sell websites, starting out small like John did, make sure you sign up for our free masterclass at ebusinessinstitute.com.au forward slash masterclass. But we'll see you on the next podcast. Thanks, Matt. See you guys you've been listening to a digital investors podcast with matt and liz rad from the eBusiness institute if you'd like more great content interviews and inspiration make sure you subscribe here in your podcast app or visit digitalinvestors.com for more insights into the future of investing online